The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from powerful women leaders who will share their playbooks on how to manage smarter, be more successful, and change your game. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, well, I always say I promise you're in the right place, but today I can absolutely guarantee it. The buzz today, the full Monty. Oh, picture that. Let me tell you what the heck am I talking about? A great offer package isn't just about salary. Those of you thinking, oh, I've got to get those dollars. I've got to get how many, whether I'm an hourly, whether I'm a, a person who's going to be paid just an annual salary, there is more and you need to get it all. There's the remuneration. That's the dollar sign. There's flexibility. Wouldn't you like to have a little bit of work-life balance, or today we call it work-life integration. What about professional support? Huh? Wouldn't that be great to know up front you're going to get it? And mentoring? Big deal. Yes, it is. There's a hint. I have one word for you. It's a verb. Negotiate. But you might not know how. I have a quote from Game Changing Women Radio Executive Producer and SAP Chief Learning Officer Jenny Dearborn. She says, always wisely says, you don't get in life what you deserve. You get what you negotiate. Thank you, Jenny. There's our N-word, negotiate. So we have a trio of experts on air today with us who are going to share their firsthand stories, their insights, and their lessons about negotiating. They've been there. They've done that. They do it. And they'll talk about what real women, real companies, and even public entities are doing to close the pay gap. We know it's still an issue and a lot more. Let me introduce my panel. First up, we have Katie Donovan. She is a salary and career negotiation consultant, an equal pay consultant, and a speaker. Her company, Equal Pay Negotiations, LLC, is dedicated to achieving equal pay. And Katie has sent me an interesting quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. I almost said Anna because that was Eleanor Roosevelt's real name, Anna Eleanor Roosevelt, an American politician, diplomat, activist, and I bet she negotiated every She was the longest-serving first lady of the United States, and her husband was Franklin D. Roosevelt, who had four terms in office. And anybody know that President Harry Truman later called her the first lady of the world? Yes, he did. Here's the quote. Never allow a person to tell you no who doesn't have the power to say yes. Katie Donovan, great quote. Welcome to the show. How are you today, Katie? Great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So talk to me. How would you pick a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt? Well, I find that quote so apropos because most people assume the recruiters have all the power in giving them what they want, where it's usually the recruiters have none of the power and it's the hiring manager who really owns the budget. So they spend a lot, candidates spend so much time talking with the recruiter who's managing the process but forget about the actual person who can make the decision to say yes. 
So tell me something. How many? Well, let's. We're on game changing women. Let's talk about women. How many? Many women know that there is some wiggle room. Not to use a possibly sexist comment, but this wiggle room that it's not all in black and white on a piece of paper when you go in and the job says, you know, this will pay between 60 and 61.3 thousand dollars a year. That that there could be a lot more in the package. Are we aware of that, Katie? Absolutely not. Um, for the most part, I would. It, there's data that 84% of employers expect negotiation when less than 50% of candidates actually do negotiate. So we definitely don't overall know that there's wiggle room. So how do we tell that to women other than asking them to listen to the show? We're live now and later to the replay. How do we get the news out there? And and one quick question, Katie, does this apply to men too? Are men more aware that you can negotiate? Is this a secret? Men are definitely more aware. They're Uh-oh. doing it at um, higher volume. It's for every one woman who negotiates. There tends to be nine men negotiating. So wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on, hold on. Frequently. Say, say that again. Say that that's a game changer. How many men for every woman? For one woman negotiating, nine men tend to negotiate. And this is for the first couple of jobs, so in the 20s. That data is early on in your careers. So men are getting it before they even leave college. Women take a while to play catch-up. Um, we're getting the word out by things like Jennifer Lawrence and Patricia Arquette really bringing it out to the just general population and entertainment. You know, Now you can put on entertainment news and hear about the pay gap and that things that need to be changed and that you need to negotiate. The Pope even talks about needing to end the gender pay gap and negotiating. So we have it at extremes in the culture talking about it. So it's not just businesses talking about it anymore. Well, it's long overdue. I think you'll agree with that, Katie. Thank you very much. And let's go to our second panelist. She is welcome back always. A repeat guest It's Susan Solovic, the all-in-caps small business expert. She's heard regularly on Fox Business, Fox News, The Wall Street Journal's Lunch Break, MSNBC, CNN, CNBC. And she's an award-winning serial entrepreneur and author. That's all I can say, as well as an attorney and a beautiful lady I know personally and always happy to see her. And Susan has sent me a quote from Judy Garland. Quick trivia. Judy Garland was born Frances Ethel Gumm, G-U-M-M, and she, of course, was an American singer, actress, and vaudevillian who won many awards and was respected for her vocal versatility. Here's the quote. Always be a first-rate version of yourself and not a second-rate version of someone else. Susan Solovic, welcome. How are you? Oh, I'm well, Bonnie. How are you? It's always great to be on your show. Thank you, Susan. You're a busy lady. Thanks for fitting us in. So, Judy Garland, but let's just start with, was she a favorite of yours as a performer, Susan? Oh, I loved Judy Garland, yes. And, you know, so many greats, so much, such musicality and such stardom, and it was, her life was cut short. It's just, it's a very sad and tragic story. Wow. Yes, it was. And, and her daughter, Liza, continues on uh, with a lot of controversy yes. as well. But she's she's still out there. I, I know just watching Judy Garland. I think, uh, who was it? Mario Cantone 
does a great impersonation on stage. I won't give the name of his show. It's a little controversial, but I saw him live on Broadway with my mom a couple of years ago, and he does a sitting down at the edge of the stage holding the mic with a very, very long microphone cord and a white blouse, Susan, with the collar turned up. You know how Judy Garland always wow. did it. Yes. And yes. he just captured that persona, that delivery almost makes you want to cry. Okay, oh so let's get, let's get to her quote. Always be a first-rate version of yourself and not a second-rate version of someone else. How does this apply to our topic of negotiating the whole package, Susan? Well, I think that in dealing with women, and I think it happens to everyone, but I think women are more susceptible to this, that we end up creating our lives based on what we think we should do rather than what we really want to do, what's in our hearts. We, we feel those obligations. We feel that people have certain expectations of us. And so we live our life on should. And Bonnie, I always tell women, don't let people should on you. You know, it's your life. You get to pick. And when we deny ourselves and we postpone or we try to put on someone else's clothes or, or be something that someone else wants us to be or, or we think they expect us to be, we are really cheating ourselves. And we're really creating a situation where we're not happy with ourselves. We're not happy with our lives. And, you know, we talk about stress. We talk about depression. All of those things, that all comes from not living the life you're meant to live. And so I think that's really what that quote says to me that resonates with me. Be who you are. We're all given special, unique gifts. Share those with the world and be the person you were meant to be. Thank you, Susan. Let's go back a little bit to what Katie Donovan, our first panelist, talked about. Women are not, I'm just going to say it, are not trained, are not brought up, are not nurtured to be negotiators, according to what Katie shared, that horrific statistic, one woman to nine men negotiate. So in terms of being your first-rate self, is this how we can train our girls from a young age that you have the right, you have the ability, you have the privilege, you have the means of negotiating all the way through your life? What do you think, Susan? Yes. You know, Bonnie, I used to teach a course at a college on women's entrepreneurship. And the first day of class, I would go around the room and I would ask everyone in the class, and usually around 40, 50 women in all different age ranges and backgrounds, and I would ask them why they wanted to go in their own business. And I would write those words down on the board. And I would get things like passion or more control or work-life balance. You mentioned that earlier, Bonnie. Mm -hmm. And those were the things that I would write down. 99.9% of the time, no one ever used the word money. So when we got finished with that little exercise, I would wipe out all of those words, and I would write in big capital letters, money. And I would say, if you're not going into business to make money, go volunteer somewhere because you're going to work harder and longer than you've ever worked in your entire life. But we as young women are socialized in this country, not to worry your pretty little head about money. Somebody else is going to come along and take care of that for you. And you know what? For women who are ambitious and focused and want to make money, we're considered either the vixen or the villain. We're, we're posed that way. And quite honestly, we are neither. We actually, the research shows that women who build businesses and make money actually give back to their communities. They help their families. They actually create employee-friendly workplaces. So we are generous, good people. And 
you know, Bonnie, I love making a lot of money, and I will stand up and say that in front of anyone, but you have a hard time getting women to stand up and say, I want to make money. We will talk about, and I bet Katie's got some research on this, we will talk about our marriages, our sex life, menopause, whatever it is, we will share all those intimate details, but heaven forbid we talk about money, and that's where the problem, that is the crux of the problem. I couldn't agree more, and I won't tell you how I know that, but personally, I do. I'm, I'm guilty, guilty, guilty as charged. I think it comes from my dad, actually, but well, that's an all other show. Thank you, Susan, and welcome back. Always wonderful to have you on air with us. And let's welcome our third guest. She's also a newcomer, as is Katie Donovan. Her name is Katika Roy. If you want to look her up, it's K-A-T-I-C-A, last name Roy. She's the Vice President of Learner Experience and Impact at SAP. She's also an award-winning learning leader with almost two decades of broad-based learning and development experience. Katika has sent me an interesting quote from Clara Barton. Those of you saying, well, Clara Barton, who was that? Well, she was a pioneering nurse who founded the American Red Cross, and I bet she had to do a lot of negotiating to go from a hospital nurse in the Civil War and then a teacher and a patent clerk to found an organization like the American Red Cross, and we'll leave politics out of this. But piece of trivia here, Clara Barton's original first name, her real name was Clarissa, nickname was Clara, and then her whole name is Clarissa Clara Harlow Barton, and she lived from 1821 to 1912. So there, and here's the quote, I shall never do a man's work for less than a man's pay. I think we all need to stand up and clap for Clara Barton. Katika Roy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me about this amazing quote. How did you find this? Um, I, you know, that's a good question. I found it somewhere on the Internet, uh, but I found that, for me, it really applied for uh, both what I commit to as a leader as well as my own personal story of navigating, navigating negotiation. So, you know, ensuring as a leader that I'm making sure that women are paid equi- uh, equi- equitably, excuse me, as well as um, I've also fought to be paid equitably um, a couple of times. Very interesting. Do you negotiate? Katika, tell us the truth. You do. do. How hard do you? you Yep. Yeah, I do. And actually what Katie said um, in the beginning, I didn't negotiate in the beginning of my career. And I learned later to actually to negotiate uh, probably about 10 years in. And I think, you know, when you look over the trajectory of women's careers, those early early lack of negotiation can actually inhibit our overall earnings over the, the course of our career. Were you shocked at Katie Donovan's comment that nine men to every one woman know how to negotiate a job package, Katika? No, I wasn't. Because I've experienced that as a hiring manager and and actually uh, advocating for women to be paid equitably when I know that they're not or they're not asking for what they should be asking for. Wow. I don't ever remember negotiating, feeling I had uh, the ability to negotiate, the right to negotiate. And interestingly enough, I was taught in later years, uh, and Susan knows I'm a, a baby boomer, sort of toward the leading edge of that generational, that demographic cohort. I was taught that we, we could even ask questions during an interview. We could question the interviewer about the company values and what they were looking for and not just sit there meekly answering their questions. But I don't ever remember being told 
I could negotiate. Maybe I went in and did my own version of it. Once in a while it worked out, but usually not so much. So what can I tell you? So let's go back. We're talking about the Full Monty. A great offer package is a heck of a lot more than just the salary. It's salary, of course. Money, money, money. It's also flexibility, professional support, mentoring, the whole enchilada. I could have said that instead of the Full Monty, but I thought that was a little more polite. And we're talking about negotiating. Katie Dodeman, I'm going to circle back to you and ask you a very important question because Game Changing Women Radio is part of our bigger series called Coffee Break with Game Changers. And I'd love to know, what are you drinking right now or what do you plan to drink after the show? Katie Donovan, where are you calling from? I'm in right outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And right now, I always have a cup of tea around me, it seems, but I'm very excited fall and cold weather is here, which means I can start bringing out the hot chocolate where... The trick to really good hot chocolate is to melt the marshmallow in the milk, not just throw it on top. Oh, back to my childhood, so I'm looking forward to my first still, one of those probably tonight. Be still, my heart. Now, how do you do that? Do you just heat the milk and put the marshmallows in it? And w- when do you add the chocolate or the cocoa? So it's the milk or the cocoa at the beginning. Stir, 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 and just before you're about to finish, you throw in some marshmallow and let that just melt. So you don't even to, see that it's there anymore, and it makes a nice, rich version. It does. I wanted to hear you say marshmallow because your Boston accent is coming through, and every time you say it, we know, oh, I know where she's from. Yeah, is it cold? Not at all. Is it cold up there, Katie? Well, yesterday we woke up, and it was like 22 degrees out. So, But today it's supposed to hit 60, so we're jumping all over the place. Oh, yes. Here we are in Long Island, and it's been in the high 20s the past couple nights. No comment. No comment. No comment. Susan Solovic, where are you today, and what are you drinking? You know the drill. Yes, I'm in New York City today, and, you know, I am just not ready to give up summer, so I am actually drinking a nice, fizzy club soda with a great lime piece of lime in it to get that little citrus and dreaming that I'm in the tropics somewhere. (laughs) <laughs> Susan has a good imagination. I like that very much. Fizz and lime. Okay. Yes. And Katika Roy, where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? I am calling from Denver, Colorado, where it is uh, supposed to snow on Thursday, which is fabulous. It's been uh, warm, unseasonably warm. And I have coffee in my rooster cup because I am an early riser. Oh, I like that. Tell us, what kind of coffee? Is it uh, what I call high test? That means a fully loaded caffeine, or is it some yeah. other version? It's the real no, deal? No, fully loaded caffeine, and I'm pretty uh, basic with my coffee. It's just a coffee with a touch of cream. Wonderful. Thank you very much. You have a brand name you want to uh, talk about for a second there? Um, coffee? Yep. I'm coffee? Yep. I Peach is my favorite coffee. Okay, thank you very much. And as our listeners and Susan know, they don't let Bonnie have any caffeine on radio show days. So, mm, I just took a sip of cool, clear, almost room temperature water in a pretty cup with a green straw. And Susan, the green straw is for money, but you already knew that, didn't you? That's Guess right, what? You're, green. We love the color green. That's it. You're going to teach me to love that color green more. We're talking today about negotiating your career game change, getting the whole package. My very special guests are Katie Donovan at Equal Pay Negotiations, LLC. Boy, that company name sure says it all. Susan Solovic, the small business expert, and Katika Roy, VP of Learner Experience and Impact at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and you are listening to episode number 12 in our series called Game Changing Women Radio, presented by SAP. 
ASAP. Shout out to our executive sponsor. Jenny Dearborn at SAP. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Katie Donovan and I are going to be cooking up a good place to start our 30-minute nonstop roundtable. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Michael, out. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. For women, the pressure to achieve at work is stronger, the hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. Tune in to hear today's powerful women leaders help you make sense of it all. They will get you thinking about how to manage smarter. They will analyze how you can change the game. And they will share their playbooks on how you can make it happen. Game Changing Women is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Women. Here we are, and my special panelists today are Katie Donovan and Susan Solovic and Katika Roy. You already know who they are because I know you've been listening listening enraptured to the conversation. Katie Donovan and I are going to start the roundtable right now. And Katie, you sent me some interesting notes here. You talk about the ne- negotiating the right employment package starts with, of course, applying to appropriate jobs. But let's get right down to brass tacks here. That's an old-fashioned phrase. The negotiation should include three elements, you say. One is income. And I'll let you explain that. Number two is benefits, and there's a long list in there. And three is success resources. So why don't you expand this for us, please, Katie, and then we'll invite Susan and Katika to join in. Go ahead, Katie. Absolutely. So income, it we all think of it as our weekly paycheck or monthly paycheck, but there's so many other things that get included in that base pay. They can be commissioned depending on your job, especially if you're in sales or marketing or executive levels, there's different bonuses that get kicked in. Signing bonuses is a great way um, to get extra money, so always think Mm -hmm. of bonuses. If you don't understand a bonus, I think that's also something that's troublesome. It makes it, you know, end-of-year bonus. You want to know that there's some math that goes into it. It's just not someone being in a good mood about you that day. (laughs) Stock options, incentives, it it can go on and on. So that's the actual money that can go into, at some point in time, into your bank account. The benefits can be up to about 25% of your overall income. So if they're paying you $100,000, just to use an easy number, that means it could be up to $25,000 in benefits that you can get. That's a good chunk of money. Um, medical nowadays is worth a lot, so you really want to try to get the the company paying as much as possible, but you need to understand that. It can go to things that actually help you do a better job, so your mm-hmm. 
benefits don't always have to be just about you. Um, things like memberships to trade associations or going to conferences. Try to negotiate that, that the company's picking up the bill, or at least the company's not charging you for vacation days when you go to such things. Mm. Um, but then it can be flexibility, scheduling, gym membership, commuter. It really, anything and everything that makes your life easier can fall into benefits. And the bigger companies have a tendency to have very specific packages and very extensive packages, but they have it all in writing. Smaller companies tend to be more flexible in negotiating benefits um, just because it's not all written <laughs> down, you know. So you might be, get, be able to get stuff you don't even see written down. And the one that most people forget about, which absolutely positively is very critical, especially if you're the first person doing a job or they're expanding and changing things. What exactly does success of your job look like and what are you going to need to get there? So a lot of times, I recently had a client that it was about, they were starting a whole new division, she was going to start it up and it was just kind of like, here, here's the title, good luck. And there was no discussion about what's the budget that she's going to have to work with, how many employees is intended to be hired, how are they going to decide that this new division actually was successful. And without knowing that, you're destined to fail. So that really needs to be part of the negotiation as well. And if you find that they're not giving you the support you need to negotiate that and say, well, how can I get to a million dollars in whatever if we don't have marketing budget for that? Or how can I get a new product created if we're not hiring engineers? So it's those types of things that need to be included as well. Katie, good list. And before I invite Susan and Katika to talk about that, how much of that should be in writing? Let's really be specific here. Can you get it all in writing at any point in your career? Or do you have to wait till you're more senior to say, hey, look, you really want me. I really want to be here. But let's not play games. I want it in writing, signed off by everyone. At what point do you have the right to say that to an employer or an HR manager? You have the right to say, I want it in writing from day one. Your first job, you're going to get a offer letter. Now, the really bad offer letters will be like, hey, show up in two weeks and this is your job title. The more appropriate offer letters will have you report to so-and-so, your salary is this. You know, you can get everything you want listed there, especially things that they say, oh, in six months, we'll implement that. Mm -hmm. Well, whoever said that to you may not be there in six months, so you better get that in writing because it won't be implemented otherwise. Mm -hmm. Great tip. Susan Solovic, you are the small business expert. You coach entrepreneurs. You gave us a great example of one of your sessions with women entrepreneurs earlier in the show. What do you think about what Katie shared with us? Agree, disagree? Oh, I totally agree. And Katie's right on point. Always get it in writing. Now I'm putting my legal hat on. If it's not written down, it's not worth anything to you. So you've got to make sure that it's written down, clearly articulated. Something else that she said that I think is really important when she was talking about the woman it was going to get just the job title, new division with, you know, here, go do it. Um, I think that that's where a lot of people begin to fail, particularly as we as entrepreneurs are building our businesses, is you have a position you want to fill. You know you need some extra hands, 
and yet you've never had anyone in that position. So you bring someone in, but you haven't clearly defined exactly what that job is. And it's destined to failure, both frustrating for the employee because they don't know exactly what the responsibilities are, expectations, and how they're going to be rated in terms of performance. And as the entrepreneur, because you might have these things in your head, but you haven't communicated them well. And so you're frustrated because they're not getting done either. So it is a recipe for disaster. Mm, interesting. How forceful do you have to be to get it in writing, Susan? What do you say? Hello, Mr. or Ms. HR person. Job sounds great. I'm delighted we've negotiated. When will I get the document? And do I need a witness? And do I need a, a, a what they call a, um, you know, the person notary, who signed? Notary, yeah. notary thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A notary. You know, no. How official do no. you have to make it? How, how pushy do you have to be? I used the pushy word. Probably shouldn't have. Yeah. But do you need to be pushy, Susan, from a legal standpoint? You really shouldn't have to be because it's common business practice. So I would be very wary if someone didn't say, you know, we'll send you, as Katie said, an offer letter or, you know, we'll, we'll document this. But you can always just say, hey, you know, I, you know, I forget things. That's my, my thing. You know, I, I, I forget things. I, I can't remember things. Would you mind putting this in writing for me so I can review it? Um, that's an easy way to say it. Uh, or could we put together just a simple little letter of agreement that we're both on the same page and that we've understood each other? There are very nice ways to phrase it without saying, you know, give me a contract or give me, and obviously most uh, jobs don't have employment contracts, but right. you, know, you don't want to make it sound as though you're threatening, but you want to make it sound as though you're being a real professional. And it's as much to their benefit that you understand what they're giving you and what they expect as it is for your benefit. So it's a win-win. Thank you. Katika Roy, we've been talking about how do you negotiate and what are the elements in the negotiation. What are your thoughts on what Katie and Susan have shared so far, please? Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And that's been my experience is that when I have uh, negotiated and have also gotten it in writing, that has been a good thing, a good thing. And then when I've not gotten it in writing, I've actually been burned by that more than once. So getting it in writing is really important. I, one, an example of something that I actually got in writing was when I had my um, second child was not to travel until she was six months old. Uh, and then only to travel 25% until she was a year because I had a job that I was going to be a heavy travel job and I didn't want to travel until after she was a year. So those are also examples of things that you can get in writing as well. Mm, interesting, interesting. Yeah. And and can I, may I ask, Katika, when you were negotiating this, were you mid-career, were you early career? How much uh, did you feel you had the power to ask for these? I was mid-career. But I, and I would say I was really good at what I did, so I had more negotiating leverage uh, because um, I was an expert in what I was doing, but I was mid-career um, when I negotiated that. Thank you. I'm going and, to circle back. I want to circle back to Katie and ask the whole panel. And Katika, let me start with you, actually. What if you ask for something in negotiations and the answer is no, and you ask for something else and the answer is no? Where does that leave the negotiations, do you walk out of the job and say, well, I like the salary, but you didn't give me A, B, C, and X. I don't want to continue this. The job is not right for me. The company is not right for me. At what point do you say, oh, OMG, I really don't want this because I was trying to get the full Monte Katika, I want to ask you to start with that one. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think Susan makes a really good point, and that's been my experience, right? So 
when you're looking for a job, you really want to look for a place that the needs are mutual and that you can shine and be successful. And if someone's not willing to negotiate uh, with you and for your success, then that's a good early indicator that it's probably not the best fit and you should be willing to walk away. And and I have done that more than once. I actually walked away from an offer because they weren't willing to negotiate. And I knew that once I actually agreed to that position, that it wasn't going to be, I wasn't going to be set up for success and neither of us would be happy. Wow, bravo. Katie Donovan, thoughts on what Katika just shared? I'm going to take it a little different bend. Um, yeah. Until they say no, you haven't even begun to negotiate. You just put out a request. It has yet oh. to be denied or accepted. Negotiation starts with no, so you have to expect it and be able to oh. overcome the no. Interesting. Susan, so I wouldn't thoughts? walk away until there's at least two versions of no. Interesting. Susan, we've got an interesting uh, provocative right. content here on the table. What do you see? I would. I agree with that. I think that, you know, they're not going to bend over backwards and agree with everything you say. And if they do, then you know what? You've probably not asked for enough. <laughs> so um, you've got to have a little pushback there. That's what negotiation is all about. And yet, and, and I will also point out that if you ask for a certain salary or a certain package, and they immediately accept it, once again, you didn't ask for enough. You left money on the table. So you really need to do your homework. Find out what that particular position in other industries or companies would be paying or uh, something similar to what you are making, and certainly also in your geographic region, that's going to have something to do with it as well and your experience. And you want to start high. You know, it's the same way when you're pricing a product. It's always mm-hmm. or your service um, as an entrepreneur. You, it's always easier to start high and come down. It's very tough once you're down at that lower level to go up. And we see that a lot, and Katie could probably speak more to this than I, but with women who are going up the corporate ladder, because they don't negotiate in those early stages, they are kind of behind the eight ball because there are certain salary ranges and things with jobs, then they're always a little bit behind unless they really are able to get in there and give a big push. And that's hard to do in today's economy. Katie? Well, and the other thing building on that, Susan, is that, well, first we lose about half a million dollars because of the gender pay gap and not negotiating as much as we should. But we also underestimate each individual time. There's recent research from Hired.com that shows women engineers, when putting down desired salary, state 17000 less on average than the men who are engineers. So wow. you're right about going up, but because we women under-expect ex, under the appropriate amount so vastly, I say don't even say a number at first. Just say, wow, oh, okay. that offer seems low, and see what they counter, because they'll probably counter higher than you would have. Interesting. That's good advice. And, you know, the, I also see that underestimating in when women price their services as an entrepreneur, they always undersell themselves. And when I've gone in and coached women, I've said, you know, how much are you charging for this? And they tell me, and I say, okay, you're gonna, you, know, you need to charge 10 times more than that. Oh, I couldn't do that. You know, well, yes, you can, because you know what? There are guys out there getting 20 times more than that. You know, so you really have to be, you're right, Katie, you've got to be courageous to really put it out there. Absolutely. And you know what? This is a a good point. 
to get in. I think uh, Katika Roy, I want to bring you in because, Susan, I'm going to come back to some of your great points in your notes, but this is, I think, a perfect segue to go to some notes here from Katika Roy. You talk about one good thing that came out of the massive Sony Pictures hack was a raise for Charlize Theron, the actress. Katika, why don't you tell us a little bit about this and, and anything else in your notes that's specific about how we're learning that we didn't always know that women were being undervalued, underpaid, and doing the same work without getting the same salary. Talk to me, Katika. Yeah, well, I think the basic premise of what Charlize Theron um, used was that if we know what our coworkers are getting paid, we're more likely to be paid fairly. So we know that premise. And, that, and Charlize wasn't one of the actresses that was part of the hack, but she actually used it to negotiate a deal to be paid equitably. And, uh, and that's, you know, that was also uh, the, the recent commentary um, as well about that. And, and, so, and, and uh, so actually having pay transparency enables us to know what the market will bear for a position and then based on that what we can actually negotiate to be paid equitably. Okay. Any other examples you want to give? Anything else from your notes here? You have a couple of uh, couple of comments here. You want me to move on? No, I can I can say a couple more things. I mean, yeah, go ahead. You know, probably the most uh, the most famous uh, advocate uh, for equal pay was Lily Ledbetter, and and the whole pan- pay transparency was where um, was actually where her fight to be paid equitably started from. She actually was tipped off that she wasn't being paid equitably to her male colleagues and started to, to fight for that. And that actually became the Lilly Ledbetter Equal Pay Act of 2009, which was really about the statute of limitations. So if women aren't paid equitably to men, that the statute of limitations starts over every time that they're paid. Um, so, you know, it was a, that's a, a key part of, 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 of really closing the, negoti- the uh, pay gap is making sure that we have, that we have pay transparency. Thank you very much. Uh, Susan or Katie, any comments on these examples Katika gave before I go to some more notes from Susan? Anybody? When I was in my corporate world, I was the first um, female executive in the financial services division of a Fortune 100 company. And my my boss ended up reporting to me. So it was kind of, he was, you know, been there a long time and you know, so his salary was fairly high. But I had a lot, for the first time, visibility to what was happening with my pay. And when I stepped into that executive level position, I was making $40,000 a year less than the man who got demoted and was reporting to me. And that job had always had a company car. But guess what? When I got moved into that position, they took the company car away. You know what their excuse was? Now, understand, this was in the 90s. But their excuse was, well, your husband's rich. You don't need a car. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yes. Collective sigh, not of relief, a collective sigh of disgust. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, and and I, 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 will tell you, yeah. I will tell you one more quick thing. So when oh. I took this job, I was um, uh, going to night law school. I was my first semester. And so in the second semester, I took this job, and I asked for tuition reimbursement. And I was told that a law degree was considered a job, a career change and not a job enhancement. So therefore it was discretionary and they would not reimburse me for my tuition. So no problem. I wanted the law degree. I'm going to get it. I got the law degree. I took my two weeks vacation, studied for the bar, passed the bar, went right back to work. About a year later, I found out that a male manager in our um, LA office 
was going to a non-accredited night law school, getting his uh, tuition reimbursed and getting time off to study. And so I called him up and I said, ask him a few questions, you know, like I was doing a marketing survey or whatever. And uh, I said, oh, how's law school going? Oh, it's great. You know, he's telling me all about it. And I said, well, I said, thank goodness that they have the tuition reimbursement program here. Otherwise, you'd never be able to afford it. He said, boy, that's true. I could never afford this, the smoking gun. So I wrote an uh, email or a letter actually back then to the chairman of the board. He was Rand Ariscog with ITT Corporation. And I wanted to know why I was denied a significant company benefit when a male manager many levels below me was getting access to that same benefit. I got in a check for my entire tuition. Oh, bravo, but, but shame on them. Shame yeah. on them. You, Susan, have to, you, you have to choose your battles wisely. Susan, and you have to choose the timing of your battles, it sounds like. You, you had the hard evidence that you were being uh, blank, blank, blanked over because of this gender inequality, gender pay inequality. Right. Susan, how, how angry were you? Let's just talk a little bit about the emotional side, if you don't mind. How angry were you? How long did you carry that, that red flag that said, I'm sure you didn't say, oh, I'm going to get them one of these days. But when the red flag came to your attention with your male colleague, with his education, his pay for his law degree, and study time off, uh, I know that flag opened up again. Was it painful for you or did you say, aha, now I have them? How, what, what did you, how did you react? Well, you know, the interesting thing about law school is it teaches you to think differently. So by that time, I was like, okay, you know what? That $40,000 education is going to pay off really well right now. <laughs> and so I used <laughs> the skills that I had and uh, put them into work, you know, and, and, and it, it benefited me. So And, you know, it was interesting because they said it was a career change, but because we were in financial services and I was the EVP of marketing, everything that we did had to go through compliance and legal and Mm -hmm. every word spoke volumes and had legal ramifications. So I used my education really in the marketing department and it was of great value to the company. Wow! Thank you for sharing that story. I'm I'm still reeling. I w- I want to be angry f- on your behalf, Susan. I'm looking at your talking points here, and I want to make sure uh, before we get to our predictions round in about nine minutes that we cover something in here. I'm going to leave it up to you. Do you want to start? We've already talked about starting high. Don't be afraid to start negotiating at the top of the salary range. And you mentioned women often underprice. Women entrepreneurs often underprice their services. I think the same emotion. This just a sidebar, Susan. Same emotion happens if you put a house on the market mm-hmm. and. And the first person walks to the door and says, I'll give you that 595000 And you say, damn, I didn't charge enough. Or you sell something on eBay and you get an offer right away for full asking price. You say, damn, I didn't charge enough. So I think we all know how that feels. Uh, you want to go to define success in your terms or toot your own horn. Where do you want to take us, Susan? I'll leave it up to you. Well, you know, we sort of dis- uh, discussed the define success when we were talking about the Judy Garland quote. So let's talk about tooting your own horn. Um, it sounds like um, the other two guests are, are very uh, confident and, and understand the importance of this, but um, there was actually a research study done um, a number of years ago where they put two control groups, one all women and all, one all men. And the uh, people who were conducting the research went into the women's room with a test, and they said, you know, this is really, really difficult. Take your time. If you can't finish it, no big deal. And they gave the same test to the men with the same instruction. Came back like 30 minutes later, 
And the women were like, oh, it's a piece of cake. They were like, wow, you did it. You finished it. It was great. You know, really praising them. Oh, it was no big deal. It was really easy. Oh, you know, anybody could do this. And they were deflecting the praise. The men, on the other hand, took that praise and they said, oh, yeah, it was really tough. But you know what? We worked together. We got it done. You know, rah, rah. (laughs) Their, Their gravitas was huge, regardless of the fact that this was a piece of cake test. So, you know, women are not good about accepting praise. When we get a compliment, you know, we don't just turn around and say, thank you. Someone says, oh, that's a beautiful dress. What do you say? Oh, this old thing? I've had it yes. forever. Yes. You know? uh, yes. Really? I thought it made me look fat. You know? yes. I mean, yes. you think about what we do. And, but as little girls, we're taught not to be brag, not to be bragging, because that's not a nice characteristic to have. Guys, they're always playing one-upmanship. That's the way they do it. We're taught to play in groups. Nobody wants to play with the bossy Mary. We play with consensus. You know, we want everything to be pretty much status quo. And we certainly don't want to draw attention or put the spotlight on us. And we have this uh, perception that if we do good work, it will speak for itself. And that is not true. You have to stand up and say, look what I did. Not to be bragging, but to be matter of fact and to state Mm -hmm. your accomplishments with pride and confidence. Susan, great point. Do you agree with Madeleine Albright's very, very famous, even infamous quote, there's a place in hell for women who don't help other women? Should women praise each other in the workplace to set an example for men, or is that just like, uh, oh, we're all sisters in this cause, we're pandering? How is that perceived? I think we should praise each other. I think that women are harder on each other than other women. In fact, there was a Gallup survey um, a couple of years ago that showed that more men would be willing to work for a woman than other women. And so it's, it's mm. very unfortunate. There is a really competitive um, nature out there, and, and it's unfortunate. We are our own worst enemies. And so we really need to band together. It's, um, it, you know, women control the majority of the wealth in this country, and we are 51% of the population, maybe more than that. We're coming out of school with the majority of law degrees and and, um, you know, more doctors and, and, and engineers are becoming women. And yet we're not really helping each other. We're not helping each other climb that ladder. And if we would really band together and help each other, the power that we could have would be huge. Uh, it would be extra, just astonishing what we could accomplish. But unfortunately, that, that really doesn't happen. I still, to this day, well, I'll give you an example. So you mentioned that I'm on Fox Business, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, you know how the women on Fox dress, okay? I'll admit it. I wear a dress and cross my legs, you know? Big deal, Mm -hmm. right? And um, (laughs) I belong to a group on Facebook called the Power Women of the National Speakers Association. And all of a sudden, I saw this thread of these women criticizing not just Fox, but some anchors on CNN who were showing a little cleavage or, or whatever. And then my name was brought up and I was attacked. And I just stepped back from it, and I thought, I'm not even going to engage or acknowledge. And one of my friends, who was the first female fighter pilot, um, she flew an F-15 or whatever, um, is also a member of the group. And she went on and wrote a separate post and defended me, withdrew from the group, and said, this is bullying, this is ugly, you know, and shame on all of you. Mm. And I just thought, you know, that's how women are. Shame on us. 
You know, if somebody wants to tweet out a picture of my legs on Twitter at 57 years old, I'm going to say thank you. I'm not going to be a Exactly, exactly. And you, you are very beautiful, Susan. Nobody disputes that. And I'm sure they were really secretly enjoying the picture. We have to get Katie Donovan and Katika Roy in on this very vibrant conversation. Katie, any thoughts on what, a lot of what Susan has shared? Well, a couple of thoughts. Uh, one, I think it's getting better about women being more helpful to each other. The days of the token is mm-hmm. you know, not completely gone, but not as bad as it used to be. We're now in you know, 10% for a lot of those higher-level jobs. So there doesn't seem to be as much of the one-on-one, you are my direct competitor. And I can't for the life of me remember the research I saw recently where it does seem to be changing. Um, but you're right, there's still bullying, and that's terrible. Um, also, there's, and I forget what you said that made me think about this. One of the things we need to be looking at is beyond whatever company you're working for and really look at the market um, mm-hmm. for value of jobs because your company could have the philosophy of pay low, and no matter how good you are, if you're just focusing on your company, you're never going to notice that, hey, they pay 20% under all the time and the market's really much higher. So great, those are a couple point. of things that kind of popped out during yeah. the few moments that we've been talking. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, Susan did mention something about checking out the, the uh, salary trends in your industry, not just the company you're applying to. Katika, any thoughts on uh, what's going on here? Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. One is, uh, Laszlo Bach wrote a book called Work Rules, and he talks about that, about um, about looking at the market for a position and what a position should pay, and that's one way also to get to equitable pay. If we, rather than focusing on salary history, if we focus on what the market will bear for a position, we will actually get to equal pay. So that's one thought I, I have. Um, and I think tooting your own horn is really really important. I, I agree with Susan and I certainly have, uh, that has been a growth opportunity for me to own my successes and uh, not deflect or, or make myself smaller so that other people will feel comfortable. Um, I often tell my team and myself that it's about owning your awesome uh, and we all have awesomeness and we need to own it. Um, and the other thing that we do in, in my team is we actually every week have an exercise where we um, document every, all the wins that we've had for the week so that we can really have something collectively to toot our horns about our successes on an ongoing basis. Thank you very much. All good points. We have a tweeter here, our friend Dean Pappas, who tweets at the handle D-E-A-N-P-A-P-P-A-S underscore in the numeral two. I have a couple of interesting comments here. I'm just going to toss them over the fence because we're ready for our predictions round. But Dean says, are poor salary negotiation skills truly limited to gender? Question mark. Or can everyone benefit from the art of the deal? He may be very right. Number two, he says, girls are raised different from boys. My my daughter plays boys football and girls soccer. Completely different lessons. And the number three, he shows a picture. I think it's already gone viral of a little girl with her hair back in braids, very tight on her head, with a Chiefs 
uh, T-shirt, uh, whoever the, the chiefs are, my football team, and he says, future female CEO, and she's got her teeth bared, and her face, kid must, girl couldn't be more than six years old, her face is in this clench, and she's got her teeth bared, and he says, future female CEO, and this one is for you, Susan Solovic, he says, women are threatened by attractive women, it is primal. So there. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Dean, for that, that male POV. Uh, he always has some very provocative and interesting things to say, and we're delighted that he's listening to us as well. Now it's time for Katie Donovan and I are going to kick off the roundtable part of the show called Crystal Ball, What Do You See in the Future? So, Katie Donovan, I'm going to give you a full 60 seconds. Doesn't sound like much, but you know, use it to your best. Uh, how far in the future would you like to predict what will be different about the status of negotiating a career game change, getting the whole package, reference point women's negotiating skills in the corporate world and or as entrepreneurs. Katie Donovan, how far in the future can you see? 60 seconds, go. I would say in about within five years, college career centers are going to be much more engaged in making sure all of their students know how to negotiate and really more um, proactive about helping women understand that they are walking into gender pay gaps. On the gender pay gap side, I think there really will be, probably within 10 years, hopefully five, a national new law um, because 13 states in the past three years have filed, have passed new, new bills and 29 states filed bills this year alone. So I think companies eventually will say we'd rather one unified law to follow than a million little patchwork things. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Great prediction. Susan Solovic, you can have 60 seconds as well. We might even have a little bit of bonus time left over. Susan, what do you see how far in the future and what's going to be different? Well, Bonnie, I want to look back and then forward. So in 2001, I wrote a book called The Girl's Guide to Power and Success, girls being tongue-in-cheek, of course, because we've had talked about the <laughs> good old boys network. Let's talk about the good old girls network. And I talked about how women can self-sabotage themselves and some of the things that we've brought up here. But the reason I'm mentioning that, it was sort of the precursor to Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In. And the statistics that I used in 2001 have barely changed right now in 2015. And the same statistics that Sheryl Sandberg used in her book, the meter has barely moved forward, notched forward at all. So sadly, what I see in the future is it's going to be an evolutionary process. It's not a revolution. It's going to continue to move forward and get better and better and better, but not by leaps and bounds, because unfortunately, it's still a process of socialization in this country. And until we can really see at the beginning stages of training both young men and young women, the importance of having partners who both contribute, the economic value of both partners in a home, and growing up with that, those kind of role models and those kind of messages, I think it's going to be very hard to push it forward. Even with laws and legislations and policies, it's going to be hard to change the mentality. Mm, thank you very much. That's the good, the bad, and the reality check. And Katika Roy, I can give you, we are just about at the end, 60 seconds as well for your predictions. Katika, go. So I have two things uh, that I would that I would uh, predict. One is uh, a higher level of ownership among leaders. The change needs to start with everybody who leads people and leads companies. We have the power to change this. 
and and we need to uh, to start right where we are, and and I you start to see that in some of the companies that have have announced um, some of the work toward uh, toward closing the gender gap and diversity. So SAP, for instance, has a goal of 25% of women in leadership, and you start to see those types of explicit goals of actually having um, actually changing that gender mix. So that's one thing that I see. I think that the second prediction that I would make is really one of moving from it's the right thing to do to it makes economic sense. And the more that we can move toward um, the economic benefits of, equi- of equitable pay and of equity, the more that we will get engagement um, of all, at all levels to actually make the change. It's, much, it's very similar to the environmental movement. I mean, I remember uh, volunteering for Greenpeace when I, many, many years ago when I was in college, and, and that at that point was very much a bleeding heart type thing of it's the right thing to do for the environment. But that green movement really didn't take hold until economically um, it made sense. And I believe that the more that we can make the economic case for equity, the more that will start to take hold and change. Thank you very, very much. And I want to do a shout-out to my three wonderful panelists, Katie Donovan. Such a pleasure to meet you. Susan Solovic, come back anytime. You and I are putting together uh, episode number 13 of this series for three weeks from today, so I'll be in touch. Katika Roy, such a pleasure to welcome you. We have had a great conversation. The show will be available on podcast very soon. Shout-out to our engineer, Michael, at World Talk Radio. And Dean Pappas asks, do new gender pay laws benefit women or lawyers more? That's a question for Susan. Solovic, you can answer him at Dean Pappas underscore two. And we have a picture of the little girl from the football jersey baring her teeth. And he says, same little girl. Now she's a Renaissance woman in a beautiful business outfit with glasses in an office uh, with some knives behind her. I rest my case. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Game Changing Women Radio. We'll talk to you soon. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Look great. Feel great. Negotiate well. Go out and be a game changer in your own life today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.